2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Christians has gone to Galatia and Titus to Domitia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he's helpful to me in my ministry. I send Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloth that I left with Carpus at Chorus and my scrolls, especially the parchment. It's my privilege to welcome Reverend Kelvin Gardner. Many of you have seen he and his wife, Jill, come through uh, once or twice a year for the past few years. Uh, they, uh, they've served with the Christian Missionary Alliance in a number of roles. They were pastor of North Seattle Alliance Church, which is also where Pastor Mark had grown up and then went on to pastor later on, I believe. Yes. And then, uh, then, uh, Reverend Gardner served in what I believe is one of the absolute jobs you never want. Uh, he served as district superintendent, uh, for all of the pastors in the Pacific Northwest. Talk about a tough job, but uh, I, he did it with great uh, care, and now he and his wife serve in leadership development and pastoral care for many of the CMA missionaries in China, as well as uh, others as well. Uh, they've served in radio ministry. They've done so many things. They love the Lord. They love serving together faithfully, so it's a privilege for us to have them this morning. So welcome, uh, Reverend Gardner. We're glad you could be joining us. Uh, he says nice things. Yeah, <laughs> you like him, you keep him then. But uh, if I had a Facebook, if he's got a Facebook page, I would go and I'd put like against him. I'd also do the same about the choir. Thank you for that and the worship team. What a beautiful beginning to our time together to be led in worship uh, with such uh, depth and passion and uh, touches our heart, not just the words we sung, but the way in which you led us. Thank you. It's... Um, Good to be here. As uh, Pastor Mike has said, we, we've come through. Uh, we're from the same land as the Robinsons. You remember them? And uh, so if you've missed their accent, maybe we'll get brush up on that this morning. I want to talk to you about the verses that we just read. And I want to suggest to you, because they, they're really quite difficult just on their own, what's there? It's almost like it, uh, Paul was putting something on his Facebook page today. He, he wouldn't, wouldn't be in a letter to someone. You'd put that up, except you wouldn't, would you? Because it's bad news. And when I go to look at Facebook pages of people, they say good things about themselves, and everything is fine. They have a new dress. They look wonderful. Their hair is just as it should be, and everything is in place. But Paul, as he writes this morning, he's not putting up a gallant, brave face. He's telling it how it is. The psychiatrists would, psychiatrists would say to us that we're at our most honest when we're hurt, angry, lonely, or tired. And Paul, when he writes this to Timothy, is in prison, and it's the end is coming. He's been in prison before. <clears throat> He's been in house arrest. <clears throat> this is not new to him. But this time he knows it's the end. He won't get out of this one. The end is near. Prison, by the way, is not as good as Kunming, which has cold water baths. Uh, prison doesn't have any bath. Prison doesn't have any food. If you want to eat, then your friends must bring you your food. All your needs are met by people outside. The prison is just a place where you are. Nothing is provided. This is Paul. Remember Paul, the great politician, 
who came to know Jesus, the great missionary, the great evangelist, the great writer of many of the books of our New Testament. Here he is in prison. I think he's hurt, as we'll see. I don't know that he's angry so much, maybe a little. He's certainly lonely, and I would suspect he's very tired. And so he writes, and he tells me what he's thinking, and I want to look at some of the people he talks about, just in case what he says of them might be true of us in our life today. First one he says to Timothy is, would you do your best to come to me quickly because Demas, who's fallen in love with the world, has left me and gone to Thessalonica. Demas, it's not a name a lot of people name their sons, possibly because of this. He deserted Paul and left him. Demas is mentioned three times in Paul's writings, and if you take them chronologically, we can see something about this man. In Colossians, he ends it off and he says, uh, Paul is writing, and he says, Demas, my co-worker, is with me. He's a co-worker. Then, uh, that was in Titus, actually. And then, secondly, in Colossians, he lists a whole lot of people without mention, and the name Demas is there, so Demas is still there. Third time and last time, Demas has left me and gone to Thessalonica because he rather would live the way of the world. My co-worker, we're on the team together. We minister together. Where I go, Demas goes. I preach this week, Demas preaches the next week. There's things to be done in the church, Demas will do them as I do them too. And we go out into some other new venture of ministry, Demas is with me. We are together. Name Paul, name Demas. They're together. But now, well, he's still with me, apparently, in the second mention. But on the third one, he's deserted me. And here I am in prison. And if all things were equal, Demas would be in prison too because we're on the same team. But Demas has left me and gone somewhere else because he loved the world. I wonder if there's uh, any Demas in some of us here this morning. There was a time when uh, Pastor Mike or Pastor... Price, Mark Price before him would have said, uh, what about this person, I would ask, and he would say, oh, they're on the team, the ministry team, yeah, they're in the choir, they're in the worship team, every Sunday they're here, they lead a Bible study, they do this, they do that, but more than that, they pray, and they come, and they're part of the, they're part of the team, I can count on this person, and then a few weeks, months later, maybe a year or so later, how's this person, yeah, they're still here, and then comes the sad thing, no, actually, no, they're not here anymore. Something else has caught their attention in the world. Worldliness is very attractive, let me say. And worldliness in Hong Kong is extremely attractive. If you want it in Hong Kong, it's there. You don't have to have a cold water bath. You can have all sorts of hot water baths. You can have anything you want. And the world cries out to us and influences us every day and draws us away. And suddenly, some of us might have found that the attractiveness of coming to this place and being part of the community, the reality of working and praying together with people who love Jesus, this doesn't seem to be quite what it used to be. And we're eyeing the war world and stepping towards it ever so gently until one day we think, I don't think we will go to church, we'll go here. I don't think we'll be involved in that ministry. 
that's for someone else. We've done our piece. We've had our turn and we drift away. I don't think Demas, I don't want to um, badmouth Demas. I, in my own mind, it doesn't say he's walked away from God. It just says he's loves, fallen in love with the world. And if you think about it, in those days, the church at Thessalonica, he'd gone to Thessalonica. Uh, the church at Thessalonica was the big church. It was the one where all the, they'd have the latest equipment and uh, they'd have everything high tech and there would be video clips here and video clips there. They wouldn't have a bus. They probably had limousines to take you to the picnic, uh, the barbecue. It was, you know, it was a big church. And so Demas didn't have to stay away, but he could slide in the back and nobody would notice him. And nobody would call on him because there's such a crowd. And maybe that's our posture. We're here this morning. That's, isn't that something? Yes, it is. But have we come in and we want to go away unnoticed and uncalled on because our daily activities during the week are more important to us than the work of the church? None of us gets beyond worldliness. And what a horrible thing it must be for Demas to know that not a Facebook page but an eternal record has his name as walking away from the things he once valued. Second one I want to mention is Luke. He says, only Luke is with me. Now, Luke is a doctor, a medical doctor, and he wrote uh, the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote the book of the Acts of the Apostles. And uh, in the first words of the book of the Acts, he says, before I wrote anything down, in my words now, I did an autopsy on all the facts that were there to make sure they were accurate, just as a doctor would do the autopsy on a body to find out the cause of death. Luke is such a man of detail and intellect that he's looking at all the facts about what happened in this historical beginning of the church to make sure it's correct. You can read the book of Acts and know that it's accurate because Luke is the doctor and the one who took the time to do that. And now, so he's an important man in the church. And in, the, in those days, the, the doctors were held high, perhaps even higher than they are today, because of their understanding of the human body and their, their compassion towards humanity. And so he would have had a full and rich life. And if he's a writer, you can imagine him at home now, uh, putting down everything he's done. He's going to write a history book for the record. But here he is. What are you doing, Luke? I'm with Paul in prison. But Luke, surely other people could do that. You need to be writing important stuff. You need to be doing important things still. No, says Luke, the most useful thing I can do is to be with my brother Paul in his time of need. And I find that very challenging because so often when uh, people get a little older, they're pushed aside and taken out of the spots they had and really left alone. And maybe if you're an older person, you felt that. The day of retirement wasn't the happy day that it was. They gave you the handshake and, and maybe a, you know, a nice silver teapot or something. But after that, you really don't feel welcome in the place anymore, in your workplace. And sometimes in the church, we can isolate those who have such a lot to give. So I want to say that Paul, Luke is telling me today as I read that, none of us gets beyond usefulness. He could have gone home and written the record. He could have gone home and written his memoirs and things that have been important to him. Well, why not, Luke? 
because he says, books are important, but people are more important. God's servants need me. <clears throat> and so what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray for Paul, and I'm going to be there for him when he needs me. And what a wonderful ministry that is, as I see churches where some who have more time now available, some who may be very important people in the, in the business world, very important people in the social world during their ministries in the churches, now don't need that anymore. They want to make themselves useful to God and they realize that other people will benefit by their presence and their encouragement and their prayers. Maybe today you're feeling a little useless. Your role has been taken over by someone younger in any sphere of life. You don't have the responsibilities you once had. You don't have the recognition you once had. Let me say to you that God sees you and God has a role for you to play and it's a useful role. There are people here in this church who need encouragement. There are people here in this church and in your communities that need prayer. And there are people who need to have a hand, a gracious hand put upon them and say, I will walk, walk with you in this part of the journey. I don't think visiting prison would be on the high list of most people's things to do today because of the nature of the thing. But for Luke, Paul needs me. I will be there. God needs you. God wants you. And he wants you to be there for people who are walking through. A lot of the songs today have mentioned when, in the Blessed Be Your Name when the times are hard and Shady Green Pastures and in times of hardness and some of the other songs too, mentioning the path that for always in a church like this, someone is walking that is a dark and lonely and unknown hard path. All of you are not beyond being useful to those sorts of people by coming alongside and walking with them and giving them words of encouragement. Demas, the world, watch out. Luke, useful. Let's be useful together in the church and the body of Christ. And then he says, when you come, bring Mark with you. You know, this is amazing to me. Bring Mark with you. This is John Mark. And uh, he's a nephew, I believe, of Barnabas. So you go right back to the beginning when, when all this started, and they're at a prayer meeting with the elders, and the Holy Spirit broke in and said, Elders, I want you to release Paul and Barnabas for the ministry I have. They're going to be the first missionaries to go and leave this country where they were and go out into the world. And <clears throat> they ended up going to Cyprus. So here they are. This is exciting. Paul and Barnabas, probably the best two fellows in the church in terms of giftedness. So beware, God calls the best. And he's got them there, and you can see them getting their team. What will we need? No one's ever done before. There's no manual to look up and say what do missionaries do. There's no school yet offering a course on missions. This is following God in its purest form. And, and Barnabas comes and says one day, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of work to be done. A lot of things need to be there. We need a helper, and I know one. My nephew Barnabas, uh, Mark, is a young man who will be very helpful to us. He's got a heart for God, and he can come and watch, and this will be like a mentoring program. He can do some of the heavy lifting. He can be there. He can help us. This will be a wonderful thing, and it's sort of, I'm sure it's biblical. So they ask, and John Mark comes on this first missionary journey. They actually go off to Cyprus, don't they? And the way they are, and it doesn't really say what happened, but something 
the boy got spooked. He didn't like it. And he came and said, I can't stand this. Now, there's no hot water. I've got to go home. And uh, so away he went. And he left them. And suddenly, this beautiful teamwork between Paul and Barnabas is shattered. It's your fault. Who is this kid you brought along? You've let me down. And they have a great argument. And it's not good. Well, years, uh, some time goes by, and they're planning the second trip. <clears throat> and Barnabas comes back and says, I know he let us down, but he's come a long way. I'm suggesting we give him another chance, this young Mark, and bring him with us. And Paul says, no way. And uh, they have an argument. So great was the argument that Paul went that way and Barnabas went that way. I mean, what sort of tension was in the room on that day? And we don't hear much of John Mark anymore. Paul goes on until now. And here's, here's, here's Paul, and he's in prison. Now, just think of all the people you would want to come if you were Paul. Back then, when I was a high noter in the politics, surely there's some people there. The guards, the military, I know high people in the military. Where are they? Let them come. Bring them. People from the church, all the elders of the churches that I wrote to, surely they could come. Let them bring an offering. Bring me some warm jackets, hot water, you know, everything I need. No, he says, bring John Mark because he's, what? Helpful to me in my ministry. Something happened. Something has happened in Paul's life that we're not told about that must be like this. God comes and speaks to Paul and says, you were wrong. What you did to that boy was not right. That young man was doing his best and he was just too young or too immature. You need to fix it. And Paul would have said, if he's like me, no, God, it's his fault. He knew what he was coming into. Let him come to me. I was the evangelist. I was doing the work. He needs to come to me. And God says, no, Paul, you've got to go. And somewhere not recorded, Paul had the humility to go back to John Mark and say, I'm sorry. I... I, I put you into a situation that was I should not have done. Whatever it is, John Mark, forgive me, please. And forgiveness was granted and was offered and, and, and received. And then since then, obviously, they work together because he's helpful to me in my ministry. So somewhere along the line, a broken, shattered, angry relationship was brought together in something beautiful that in my last hours of all the people I could call for to come and comfort me, I have Luke, I want John Mark and you, Timothy. Two young men and an older man. None of us gets beyond giving or receiving forgiveness. There's no one in this room that's too important, too powerful, too noteworthy and above offering forgiveness to people that you've hurt along the way. There's a time, and maybe it's today, when if God puts someone on your heart that you have bruised and hurt and been harsh, even if they were the ones that you think orchestrated or, or caused it, God says you must go back. It's there in the Sermon on the Mount. If you're starting to come to church and you think of somebody that you've hurt, you leave it. Someone has something against you, you go. You go back and offer forgiveness. And this morning I want you to know if you've let others down, if there's been failings in your life, if you have brought reproach upon your family or the church family, if you've failed in some relationship, if you have made a mess of it, there's forgiveness available.
We sang of it today. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect plea. While in heaven he stands, no one can tell me to go away. This morning, you are not beyond forgiveness. There's a God who we've come to worship, who offers forgiveness freely. If we will confess our sin, he will forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we sin, said John, we have an advocate, a lawyer with the Father who speaks to God on our behalf. And though Satan can come and tell us all the things in that song, causes me to despair and of the sin that's there, upward I look and see him who made an end to all my sin. And so when the judge comes and looks at the evidence, <coughs> our advocate Jesus doesn't plead our innocence, he just pleads his blood. I've covered him with my blood. And this morning you're under the covering of the blood of Christ if you would come and put yourself under it. Prodigal son was in a far country, still his father's son. <coughs> it wasn't until he came back and put himself under the influence of his father that he received the forgiveness. And when you are willing to come today and put yourself once again under the influence of God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, you will be forgiven. You don't have to be John Mark, the old one. This morning, God is calling out to you, come home. You're important to me. You're special to me. Come home. I want you. And I offer forgiveness. And I just hope, too, that they will also know this person, you maybe, if it's a person in the church here or somewhere in the Christian community that's hurt you, that you could go back to them too and say, I let you down. And that might be the catalyst, the trigger for them to say, no, I need to, rep to repent to you too. None of us gets beyond forgiveness. None of us gets beyond forgiveness. You can leave this church today clean and clear and free and welcome in the presence of God and welcome in the presence of Last one we'll talk about, <clears throat> Paul himself. He says, uh, when you come, would you bring the cloak I left with Troas and bring the scrolls and especially the parchments? Now here's Paul in prison and as I say, it's at the end of his life. What is he calling for? This is the great man who had everything for him and now he says, bring me my cloak. It's cold here and I feel it. I'm not going to try and be big, big and brave and say I'm suffering for Jesus. I need a coat. I'm cold. Bring the coat. I'm going to say none of us gets beyond humanness. We are who we are. And let's not pretend to be good and lofty and mighty because we carry the name of God or Christ in us. We are human. And when it's cold, I get cold. But when I have a cough, I sneeze. And when I have needs, human needs, it's not wrong to call for those needs. Bring the coat that's mine and I left somewhere. And then he says, and also bring the, the scrolls and the parchments. What do you last now? Do you want, got a better mic, have you? He, he's, um, he's bored. He's in prison and he's bored. I'll need to start again. Is that okay? <laughs> what did I say? Um, humanness. It's cold, I get cold. 
Put me in a lonely place, I get bored and need something to read and something to write. I'm human. And God loves us when we're human and honest and reveal our weaknesses and uh, who we are to him. So if you've got hurts, needs, don't hide them and pretend to be good and, and above all that. Go to God and say, God, I'm cold. God, I need your help. I'm anxious. You say be anxious about nothing. Frankly, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm anxious. I need your encouragement. I need something warm around me, and it could be a coat and the, the arm of someone who will pray for me, but God, I just want to tell you that's how I feel. And you know what he's going to say? That's okay. You tell me, and I will try and help you. And keep your eyes on me, and I will walk with you through this. Don't think that he sits up in heaven and says, well, we'll give them a bit of this and that and see how they react. No. God, one, he will not give us anything to go through that's beyond what we can bear. But he does tell us that the path at times will be cold and lonely. And he does say that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And sometimes I hit situations, have hit them before, and I've said, I don't know what to do. And I hear him whisper to me, you don't have to know what to do. I do. But God, I need help. I know you need help. And at the right time and in the right way, which may not be your way, but in the right way, I will apply that situation to help you. And I can testify now as one who's getting older in life and has been through a few things that God is real in the dark times. When the prison comes and it's dark and cold and in a sense there's rats running around and things that make me anxious and tired and I feel alone and I feel like I've been forsaken and only Luke is with me and sometimes he's gone home. I've found that like Pilgrim and Pilgrim's Progress, he touched a bottom and found it solid. He's there. The anchor holds when it needs to hold. And we put our faith and our trust in God, and he will not let us down. Though the mountains uh, uh, be shaken and fall into the sea, God is still our refuge and strength. They can sound trite, those words, at times. They can sound just like they've learned and, and parroted. But I want to tell you from my heart, they are true and real. And I believe that I can say they have become more real as I've learned three attitudes in life that I close with that have helped me. That in any day of life, whether it be a good day or a bad day, but especially on a bad day, I start my day with gratitude to God for this day. And I have tried to put into my life an attitude constantly of thankfulness, gratitude. I slept well last night and I told the Lord, thank you for that because it could have been a restless night, because we're sort of on air travel and a bit out of whack. And for every meal, I say, thank you for this meal, for all the things it is. I, I came in here today, and I said, thank you, God. I've missed this. Missed you somewhat, but missed the Asian culture. We lived in the Philippines a while, and I hear a Filipino voice. And by the way, uh, your barbecue needs to have balut, my friend, if it's going to be a real Filipino <laughs> barbecue. A gratitude. I think is a first point when we're grateful to God, even though the times are tough. And then the other one is to renew my trust in him. Lord, I trust you for the circumstances. It doesn't have to be a big plane ride. It can be a walk across the street. I just trust you to orchestrate my day today, and I will walk with it. And then, Lord, um, would you help me to be gracious? You know, we live in an ungracious world, 
And you are a God of grace. And your grace to me has been such that I don't deserve anything that you've given me, but you've given me more and more and more. And, Lord, I want to be gracious. Can you help me just to show grace to someone, just to smile at a child or give a little wave, just to commend someone along the way and say thank you? Go to the service industry where people gripe and complain about everything. Just say thank you. Thank you for serving me that cold food on the plane. (laughs) None of us gets beyond worldliness. Can you check your worldliness factor today? It's so easy. God wants you to repent of that. None of us gets beyond usefulness. Don't think you're of no use to anyone. You're of use today, and God wants to use you. And it's not, I hear people say, all I can do is just pray. I want to say to you, the most important thing you can do and pray and pray and pray and be God's uh, one in the gap for other people. None of us gets beyond usefulness, and none of us gets beyond forgiveness. Don't care what you've done. Don't need to know what you've done. God knows and God forgives, and he waits for you to come home. And none of us gets beyond human in this life. And so if you're cold, say so. And if you need help, call out for help. And if uh, we can help you, then we will, but call out to God. Or every day, giving thanks to him. Every day, renewing your trust in him. And every day, asking him to allow you to be his hands and words of grace to the world around about us. And you will be blessed. And uh, your Facebook page will have likes. (laughs) But most of all, you'll know favor and peace with God and confidence in him when the storms of life are raging. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. The words really are just a little record of of, of your servant Paul. But uh, thank you for taking his words of reality, of how he felt in those days. Because there are days when we feel hurt and angry, lonely and tired. And those are the days when we can be very honest with you and you can be honest with us. We don't want to follow the ways of the world. We want to follow you. We do want to be useful in your service. We do want to know your forgiveness. And we want to be people who forgive others if we feel they've wronged us. But we also recognize our humanness. And yet... With the Spirit of God within us, our influence for eternity can become real and powerful, and we will give glory to you. Bless this church. Bless the pastor and the elders, I pray. Watch over them and guide them. Lead the people in the ways of righteousness, whether those little paths be, as we would call them, pleasant or unpleasant. May they walk with you and know you every day, and may this building resound with the grace of God to the world outside that needs the love and grace that's available to them. This is our prayer then in Jesus' name. Amen.